Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animation agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of engaging visual storytelling. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Rob Kessler. Rob is the inventor and co-founder of Million Dollar Collar, a relatively simple solution to fix what his company dubs placketitis the sinking, wrinkling, and folding of the placket of a casually worn dress shirt. Prior to Million Dollar Collar, Rob built a screen printing and embroidery business from a spare bedroom in his house to over $1 million in revenue before selling the company. Although the company was never intended to be a screen printing company, word soon spread about the high quality, great pricing, and never miss a deadline guarantee. Rob's sales experience in high dollar industries, including diamonds, real estate, and automotive sales, provided a unique blend of backgrounds to transition him into the fashion world. His ability to look at the world through a different set of lenses than most people led to his success in every sales job and with both of his own businesses. Rob's now celebrating seven years of marriage after a decade of dating around, which gives him a unique perspective on life and relationships. Both Rob and his wife, Linda, are entrepreneurs, which is not always easy on a relationship, especially after they seemingly abruptly sold everything they had to start over all the way across the country in Los Angeles, where they knew no one. Please welcome Rob Kessler to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Rob. Yeah, I'm excited. So, Rob, tell me the story. How did you come up with Million Dollar Caller? What motivated you? It seems staged, but it literally was on my wedding day. I got married on the beach in Jamaica in 2013. I never really liked wearing ties, probably back from my car salesman days. So we got married on the beach. I had no tie, no shoes. My feet were in the sand. It was a really nice casual wedding. And I just, we actually flew the photographer down. And so we were looking at photos right away. And I just, my shirt just drove me nuts. Uh, And there's a photo that he captured before I even said I do, which is on our website. If you look at uh, about us or the story. And I'm looking down and and if you see the whole photo, Linda's face is just a little bit, it looks like it's in disgust and it looks like it's over the shirt, but it it 
it wasn't, it was just perfectly timed, but basically <laughs> came about on my wedding day. It was totally not staged. I mean, it, it looks like it is, but so yeah, it came about on my wedding day. I came home from Jamaica. I started cutting open dress shirts. I Googled everything I could find. To me, the problem was never the collar. Everything is focused around the collar, stand, magnet, collars, all these things. But the problem was the front where the buttons and the holes are, which is uh, the placket. And so I took the idea of a collar stay. I made it nine inches long and I shoved it down the front of the shirt and gave it structure where it never had any. And took about three years and a hundred rune shirts to figure out a million dollar collar. And now after about five and a half years of sales, we're approaching 400,000 units sold and we're just rocking and rolling. So it's been uh, quite a journey. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I've, I've looked at the website and, and seen what you're doing there and had yeah, that, like having the placket, just like it does that little, it's almost like it's squinting. Like it just has that little like crunch to it. And it's one time through the washer. You're lucky if it doesn't do it the first time you wear a shirt, but as soon as you go through the wash once, it's, it's going to start doing that. And it just gets, gets all crumpled and stuff. So that's totally genius putting that sort of, yeah, collar stay all through the, all through the placket there. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I like to look at a product or a problem and say, what else do I have that I can uh, use to solve this? I've done a lot of remodeling on homes and, and buildings and things. And I always seem to have a tool that was good, but not always quite the right tool. So I could always find a way to get the job done, but it definitely was better when it was the right tool. And, and I felt like the million dollar call was the right tool that, uh, that nobody had really gone after. So Indeed. And so this was actually novel enough. You were actually able to get a patent for it? Yeah. It took almost three years. And in, in the intro, when you said we'd sold everything we had, moved to Los Angeles, uh, we took 10 days to see the country on our way from Milwaukee to Los Angeles. And on that drive, our patent attorney called and said, hey, your patent was approved. So we were pretty stoked that everything came through and it was meant to be. Wow. So what kind of challenges did you face along the way to in the patent process? The biggest thing with getting a patent is money. I didn't go, I have friends that are lawyers and things like that that could probably have helped me through, but I just wanted to make sure that it was done. So I hired a very expensive, the biggest patent attorney company or law firm in Milwaukee to make sure that I was protected. And, and the way the patent process works is they write it as broad and as general as possible to cover you as best as possible. And the patent office just says, no, too broad, narrow it down. No, too broad, narrow it down. And so every time you go back and forth is between six weeks and six months to get a response. And then in what you're really trying to do is get away with as much as possible, get your, get as much covered as possible. And the patent office wants you to be as specific as possible. So it's a little battle between you guys are both at odds of what, who wants what. So that's a big challenge. And then it's just cutting checks, multi-thousand dollar checks every month is not always fun before the company's even launched. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so what was it like? How did you, how were you able to transition from previously having your screen printing business into your new company? And, and what lessons did you learn that really enabled you to grow this company even bigger? I, I guess I was in the clothing industry adjacent. I don't really feel like I was a clothing guy, but I understood the industry a little bit. And I think with the support of my wife coming home from that, our wedding, the biggest thing was just having her say, yeah, go for it. I I, I know what you're doing. And we've done that for each other since we met. So it, it was really that 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 helped me go for it. I mean, I've had a bunch of other ideas that I haven't pursued. This is the first one I really went after. 
That's awesome. So tell me a little bit more about that. What is it like being married to a fellow entrepreneur and navigating that extra, you know, level of stress in the relationship? There's days that it's really great. And there's days that we just want to, you know, strangle each other a little bit because sometimes the communication isn't always there. And we take our, our ideas and our projects personally. She's got a gym or had a gym and did all of her own stuff there. We had a building that we'd bought right before we got married, where I moved my screen printing business finally out of the basement of my house into a 6,000 square foot building. And then she had a thousand square foot gym inside of there. And then our offices, we had one big office for the two of us. That was a divider between the gym and the, and the screen printing shop. We'd go do our thing all day. And then in between, if we were in the office together, hey, I, I need a little help with this. Or, hey, what do you think about that? And we'd be able to go back and forth. We've since done a couple of other businesses together and successfully exited those. We're working on an exit right now for our yacht charter business that should be closing in within the next 10 days. That'll be the third company we sold, uh, that we started and sold together in just the short time we've been together. Wow, that's awesome. Seems like such a cool collaboration. Get to have your partner, best friend, fellow business owner and everything all rolled into one. Yeah, it's funny because when I was like 23, 24 years old and I started out in real estate, I'd see these husband and wife teams and just, God, you spend every minute of every day together. It seems <laughs> awful. I was still dating people and I hadn't really found somebody that I wanted to spend that kind of time with. And once I met Linda, we both knew we were, there was something special about what we were looking for. And we've been, we always say, especially in those first like couple of years we were together, because we were basically together 24 seven, that we were married or we had 10 years of relationship experience in the first three years we were together because most people get up in the morning, go to work, spend all day apart and then come home. We just don't have that separation. We're, we're pretty much together all the time. Although lately we've been this year so far, she's been traveling so much for work. We haven't spent more than 10 days together in the last five months. So it's been, it's been different. It's been a change. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah and, you're, yeah. and you're right. Most couples, it is just you spend at least a third of your life apart and probably roughly a quarter, a third of your life asleep or something. But I had the same experience. My ex-wife and I were you know, both in the military together for several years. And before she was in the military, it was kind of like, why do you have to do this? Why do you have to go? Why do you have to go to work at 4am? Or why do you have to go to work in the middle of the night? Or and then once she joined the military, it was like, Oh, yeah. Okay. I totally get it now. It was like you had that really common experience, had that common language, especially because the military too has its own total culture and language and everything that it's really hard on civilian military spouses. And there's certainly that, you know, unique challenges to being a dual military couple. But I definitely think that it provides you with a common perspective that it's hard to match anywhere else. And it seems like you have that same thing going in entrepreneurship. It's really cool. Yeah, I think if you look at a lot at couples where they don't have that, you've got the the guy maybe is the entrepreneur and 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 the wife is she's a nine to fiver, and you just it's hard to understand why after fourteen hours in the day you still want to keep going, get that thing done, get it, get something off of your plate. And Linda gets it. If I'm in the middle of something and it's just super tedious, she just knows like, I just have to get it done. And it's just part of our thing. Like we don't just shut down and say, okay, we've worked our eight hours today. It's time to go home. We've missed out on a lot of friend time and we've lost a lot of friends over the years because of what we're building, but it makes us happy. It makes us tighter. And I don't, we wouldn't do it any other way. Oh, for sure. That's really cool. 
So what kind of advice do you have for people looking to start their own businesses? The biggest thing is, is it's going to be a whole hell of a lot harder than you think. Look, when I was coming out with this product, there was nothing else like it on the market. There still is nothing else like it on the market. People, when I talk to them, are like, oh my God, this is brilliant. And I get feedback from costumers. My wife is a stunt woman. She's in the, uh, the movie and film industry. And so we talk to people that dress the actors. We talk to a lot of tailors and you know custom shirt guys. And when I have a chance to talk to those guys, they're like, this is brilliant. I wish I would have thought of this. It's just staring us all right in the face. And he just makes you think, oh, then this is going to be easy to sell. And it's a challenge. You just really have to persevere and, and know what the bigger goal is. If you're into like our yacht charter business, we're really into boating and being on the water. That business has grown insanely. COVID was actually really good for our business. It was a really, it's grown really well. And we've put in a lot of hours because we're really passionate about it. So it's easy to put in the 12 or 14 or 16 hour day when you're passionate about what you're pursuing. If you're just doing it for the money, that gets old really fast. Find a niche. That's our thing is we like to find a niche that people aren't really exploiting. If everybody else is doing it one way, we're going to do it a different way. Our boat looks different than every other boat that's in the charter fleet. And that's what's helped us stand out partially. Oh, very cool. So obviously you've got a great partner in your wife, but what would you say to business owners in terms of finding good partners to do business with? And have, have you had other partners with some of the businesses you've started? Yeah, I have a partner with Million Dollar Collar and our dress shirt uh, line called Go Tyless. My partner, Steve. There's good days and there's bad days. What you should find if you're going to find a partner, the reason Linda and I work so well is because we're opposite. I'm very creative. I'm all over the board. I'm a get it done kind of guy. She is very meticulous. She's very detail oriented. She, you know, she made up all of our contracts. She made sure the waivers were in place. Like she did all the detail stuff that I would just sit and stare at a computer screen and not get a whole lot done. So if you're going to find a partner, don't find somebody that's exactly like you because you're going to have holes, the same holes in your business that you'd have if you didn't have a partner. So find somebody that can fill in those gaps and that's going to lead to conflict because you guys obviously see things differently, but ultimately if you can rely on each other's strengths, that's when it's the most effective. Oh, definitely. Like they say, hire your weaknesses and everything. Cause otherwise you're just mm -hmm. going to waste all your time, like doing the stuff you don't like to do, or like you said, staring at a computer screen and it's just going to torpedo your business eventually. Exactly. So, Ron, and then if you can't find a partner, then find mentors. My Men next question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. No, just, uh, you know, wondering what kind of mentors you have, how you found mentors and advisors throughout your career. I've been very fortunate. My father is a businessman. His sister and her husband are business people. Multiple people, members in my family are have their own businesses. And I've seen the struggles. I mean, my brother and sister, when we were little, my dad always used to say, it's the beanies and weenies night. So it was like a couple cans of baked beans with cut up hot dogs inside in a casserole dish. And that's what we'd eat because it was really cheap and filling. So we've had those very rough times. And then I've watched his business grow from nothing to insanely successful. And so I've got somebody really close to me that I can go to. He is a member of both companies that I'm currently involved in as an advisor and a partner. Um, so that's great. But Mentor-wise, you got to find groups. There's tons of groups out there. We got to Los Angeles. Like you said, we didn't know anybody. Literally, I was almost 40 years old when we moved there. And the only people we knew were like the 25-year-old kids at the 
front leasing office of our apartment building, but you know, they had <laughs> German shepherds and we had a Rottweiler. And so they were the only people we knew the dogs were hanging out and we're like, let's hang out with these people. They know people in the building that we might need to know. And we were out on a hike one day. Linda wasn't really sure what she was going to do when we got to California. It was the original plan had fallen through for her. And the guy was just like, Hey, I, one of our former residents was a stunt man. Do you want to meet him? She sounds that sounds awesome. Let's do it. And so he hooked us up with that guy and we became friends and he introduced her to the industry and life is life went on. And the thing that happened from hanging out with those people is I got into a men's networking group in Los Angeles, a bunch of business people. And I put myself out there. I got involved and I have an amazing circle of people, a circle of people from Los Angeles that most people would, you know, if they had access to my phone would be like, holy crap, dude. And I've only been there for, was only there for five years. And I mean, my circle was insane. So just put yourself out there. You can't do it by just sitting at home. Like you have to get out and get involved and find a way. Oh, definitely. So Rob, I'd love to know how has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? I fail every day. That's what gets me back up. The biggest thing that I did that I regret is, um, Sales were cranking on the B to C side. So we had really great revenue. The problem or the one hang up with my product is it needs to be sewn into your shirt. If you look at a men's dress shirt and you unbutton the first two, you'll see that the inside of the placket and the outside of the placket are visible. So while I wanted to have a simple stick on or an easy way to apply my product, the ultimate easiest way to do it was to have a tailor open a couple stitches, slide it in, and then sew it back together. And we started overcoming those issues. We started building a network of installers. We went to a dry cleaning trade show. At that show, everybody came to our booth. Everybody. It was insane. We got the names and phone numbers and contact information for 2000 dry cleaning locations while we were at that show. And we were like, I was like, dude, we're ready to go. I'm sick of sending out these single orders because they would always get lost in the mail. And there was just always little issues with sending out the single orders where I could sell a dry cleaner, a hundred or 200 or 500 units at a time, instead of five or 10 at a time and just streamline the process for our customers. And so I told my ad guy to turn off all of our ads for our B2C business. And then we had a real tough time getting all those people back on the phone after the dry cleaning trade show. Sales dipped for quite a while while we were trying to replicate those ads and get that back in the groove. And so while I was frustrated with what was happening, it was great revenue and I should have never turned it off. But at the time, if you would have seen like, Dickies, like internationally known brand Dickies was down the hall, down the aisle from us. And they were like, dude, what are you guys doing over here? Our little 10 by 10 uh, booth was overflowing into the aisles for four straight days. And we couldn't take information fast enough. It was insane. <laughs> so if you would have felt the momentum, you'd have been like, dude, I could see why you turned all that off. Like you're ready to change an industry. And it just, we could never get these guys back on the phone. It was brutal. Oh yeah. It's always, like you said, it's always going to be harder than you think it is. And just when you think you've seen like the light at the end of the tunnel or some, you know, sort of savior market or something, that's just, Oh, it's gonna, <laughs> what's going to interfere. Yeah. 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 So Rob, what's one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made and feel free to take the word investments as broadly as you like. Look, I, I invest in myself. I I've risked a lot 
I've taken chances and it's because I believe that my ideas or my, my work ethic are going to get me through. Look, we, my wife and I had two commercial buildings three years ago in Wisconsin. We knew that we were never going to live in Wisconsin again. So we said, all right, let's sell these commercial buildings and buy a yacht to do a yacht charter business. And our parents thought we were insane, out of our minds insane. But if you look back today, three years ago from today, we sold commercial real estate about a year before everything hit the fan and bought a boat that went absolutely bonkers bananas last year because everybody was so cooped up. The only thing that was left to do was to get out on the water and get some fresh air. And the yacht charter industry went, it, it just exploded. We just knew what was right for us. We knew that we didn't want to be in Wisconsin, have those ties anymore and find a new business, start a new thing from scratch. And we did it. We're probably one of the most well-known yacht charter businesses in Marina Del Rey. We've had a lot of celebrities, high-level executives, athletes, all kinds of people have been on board. And we built a really great little business and the timing could not have been better for us to buy a yacht and start a charter business. Wow. That's yeah. Impeccable timing right there. Yeah. Rob, what advice would you give to a smart driven college or high school graduate about to enter the real world? And is there any advice they should ignore? I am one of the things I love and I'm, I can't remember who said that. I think it was Will Chamberlain, but it was, it's along the lines of, delivering more than people will ever expect. I remember when I was 12 and 13 years old and cutting the lawns in my neighborhood, I literally would cut those lawns so that not one blade of grass was missed, hoping that some neighbor would say, dude, you really worked that lawn, man. Come cut my grass. Like I just, I cut it like everybody was watching me. And I think if you go in and work your brains out and give more to whoever you're working for, if you're going to go and get a job somewhere, you're going to stand out. And when, if there is a recession or there is a time where they have to pare back, they're not going to pare back the guy whose output is exceeding what they're paying for. Uh, it can never go in negative again. It'll go negative against you with your coworkers because they're going to be like, dude, why you're working so hard? You're making us all look bad, but it will never go bad for you personally. And giving more than anybody expects is, is just a great thing. I was screen printing shirts one time and it was in the middle of the night. And I realized I had spelled the word leukemia wrong for a fundraiser. And I had to go scramble and find a hundred green shirts the next day to deliver the next day. I drove two hours to Chicago to pick up green shirts so I could finish this job and deliver it for a leukemia walkathon or something to raise money. And I just did what I had to do to make sure that it was right. Can you imagine delivering shirts with the word leukemia spelled wrong or not <laughs> delivering them at all? I, yeah. You just do what you have to do. And that's just the way I do things. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be mortifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Rob, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? We're from the Midwest. We're pretty normal, I guess I would say. I don't know what the right term is. We get to Los Angeles and there's a lot of like like weird stuff. Like one of the guys we first met was like, oh, we got to do these chakras and all this stuff. And like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? But we really <laughs> started to manifest what we want. We moved to LA. We wanted to be close to the water. So we were 10 minutes, five minutes from the beach. And we would literally, especially when days were rough, we would go and put our feet in the sand 
and just ask the universe for what we wanted. And I'll tell you what, uh, more times than not, my wife would go down there especially and say, look, I just want to thank you for all the opportunities. I want to say thank you for this, that, and the other thing. I really want to get this job that I'm up for. I really, I'm looking to do this year. I want to accomplish that. If you saw her checklist of things that she wanted to do and the things that she accomplished, they're all checked. And it had to do with just putting yourself out there and letting the universe give it to you. It, it sounds hokey, but if you don't have a plan, you don't know where you're going. I was just talking to one of my captains the other day, and he's, he went on a little private jet that is his boss's. He's a captain and his private, he's got a pilot's license and his private jet. And he goes, yeah, that's a dream. It's something I'll never accomplish. And I said to him, dude, a dream is only a goal without a plan. And I've seen a lot less talented people than you accomplish a lot more than you think that you can. And so you just have to like believe that you can do it. And part of believing that you can do it is saying it out loud, whether nobody, hopefully nobody can hear. If that helps you go to a private place, get near nature take your shoes off and just, you know, talk to the world. Trust me, it's out there if you want it. There's enough success for everybody. And I just don't think enough people specifically say what they want. And I, we've definitely learned that in the last five years of being in La Land. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I think so many people just aren't, really don't get clear just in their own minds about the things they really want. And so you just then go through life aimlessly. And I think to me, like one of the most hilarious things about manifestation is like, not only does it work, but it actually works for everyone, it, whether you believe it works or it doesn't. Because if you don't believe it works, then it's not going to work, which means it's working. <laughs> yeah. If you don't think if you think you're going to have a terrible life or you can't do this or that, like manifestation just makes all those things like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've had a lot of people on here and I always ask people and I'll ask you as well and for different books and stuff. And, you know, probably the most popular book that's been recommended is like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it's just crazy. Like looking back like a hundred years ago, just surveying all the most successful, pretty much only men at the time, all the most successful people in every single one of them just laid out all the same things. And it's all just, if you can believe it, you can achieve it type of stuff, which sounds totally new age, hokey BS. And it just actually works. And the more that you can tap into your subconscious because we've all just emerged from pure consciousness and you can really tap into that, be able to get basically whatever you want. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And you have to be specific. If, if you say, I want to have a lot of money, that, that doesn't mean anything. You say, I want to make $5,000 by the end of the month. That's a goal that you can attain because you can either say, I made 5,000 or I made 4,800 or I made 5,500. If it's not specific, it's just not, it's not anything you can focus on. So there's times where I get really into it and I'm writing it down every morning that I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And sometimes it slips off and I don't do it. And I'm, we recently moved to Atlanta and I've been flying back to LA every weekend to run the yacht charter still. So my schedule has been a little insane for the last few months, but it's, again, it's doing what has to be done to get the business, to get the job done. So having the goals and writing them down and having a some kind of a system throughout your day that is repeatable is just the best way to success for sure. Yeah, the specificity is is really wild. I was a couple of months ago now, or actually it was probably back in February when I started my new marketing agency. I saw this video from this woman who said, hey, if you're always asking for signs from the universe, like you're always getting them. But if you're not specific, then you'll never see them. 
and because there's just gonna be so many and you just won't even know and so she was you need to get really specific about how you want the universe to reach out to you and send you messages and so for her she had decided that she wanted the universe to show her rainbows anytime she needed sort of reassurance that she was on the right path or anything reinforcing what she was doing and so then she would see not only like real rainbows like in the sky but then she'd see like a sticker or see someone's a patch on a backpack or something like that and i was like oh this is really cool and so i, I was like i'm give this a try and so i was like all right i was like i can't do rainbows because i got like rainbow curtains in my house so that's just cheating i'm gonna be like just always amped <laughs> up and i then just for whatever reason was like all right how about white feathers i'm like i don't really see feathers a lot but like they exist so it'll happen from time to time and I literally, I quit my job at this green tech company I was working at, started my own marketing agency. I was just, oh, is this the right thing to do? Am I on the right path? Should I be doing this? I picked up my kids one day. They asked to go to a park we never go to. And it's a huge park. And so we had to like traverse like several different hills to go over like where the playground is. And we crest this one hill and my kids are just like running around and I'm just stuck in my head. Like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Should I really be starting my own marketing agency? And I walk over the hill and all of a sudden i crest the hill and it looks like someone has massacred like a hundred doves like it's just there's just feathers everywhere it looks like there was like a huge pillow fight and there's just white feathers as far as i can see like thousands and i was just like oh shit <laughs> it's just like that is crazy <laughs> and i was like after that i was like okay this totally works like i am sold and i was like hey i'm on the right track like i'm supposed to do this and the same now like anytime i'll be like walking my dog around or something and just like whatever i'm thinking about and then i'll like see a white feather on the ground should i work with this client or that client or something like that and i'll see a white feather and i'm like oh yeah okay let's keep doing that speaking to you so yeah getting specific is so incredibly powerful and like you said rather than just vaguely like, yeah i want money or something like actually be intentional and specific about what you want. And that's the way that you can manifest those things. It's, it's incredible. Well, yeah. Fun. I mean, look, like anytime you're thinking about going to get a new car down to the most basic thing, like, I want to go get a new car. I want a Volkswagen Jetta. And all of a sudden, every other car driving down the road is a Volkswagen Jetta. Because you've made yourself aware of what you want, then you start to see the things that you're looking for. It's, it's all right there. And nobody can deny that. Like you, I, I got yeah. a new X5 recently. And then now I start to see these X5s everywhere. And I'm like, God, I thought that was rare, but now I oh, totally. see these pretty yeah. things everywhere. Absolutely. Rob, yeah, I'd love to know, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? So I will always and forever credit Tony Robbins, um, any one of his books, Awaken the Giant, Unbreakable or Unshakable, I think was his last one. That one is great for finance. He really inspired my dad to grow the business that he grew. And so I have a deep connection to Tony Robbins forever. I read a book called The Three-Minute Rule by Brant Pinvidic, which was hugely powerful. Really got to simplifying my pitch. I ended up getting to meet Brant. I've become friends with Brant ever since. I love the book and love him as a person. Just a great, fun guy. And then I've always got different books coming through. I did get into a, a good Grant Cardone mix. So sometimes when I'm feeling like I'm not doing enough, I'll listen to a 10X rule or something and just get super pumped up. Love Audible. I can go out. I now have five acres. And so I sit out on my tractor for or my lawnmower for several hours at a time. I can just bang out a book in a couple of days. So I uh, like to have those things on in the background. Oh, totally. Get so much more out of your life with an audiobook. Just pack a uh, pack some knowledge into every experience, pretty much. 
Yeah, I, my mind wanders a little too much, so it makes me tired to read. I, I consume the data better when I actually read it. So I'll have to listen to an audible book like three or four times. And each time I'll hear mm. something different that I didn't hear, especially if I'm driving, I'll yeah. hear something in the book and then my mind will start to wander and think about it and be like, oh crap, I missed my exit. And then what did he say for the last 15 <laughs> minutes? I can't remember. So I have to usually listen a few times, but. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I find certain books, books that are more like referential or something. I'm like, all right, I got to have this in text. I can't be listening to I need to go to a specific place or something like that. But yeah, I always like the sort of the audiobook experience of you're going to get the message you need to at the time. So it's like, just, I, I know a lot of people get like too hung up on that. So they won't even listen to audiobooks and just enjoy it. Just you'll hear the book one way the first time you'll hear it a second. And so then you keep listening to it. It's like, you get something out of it differently every time. Yeah. I literally, the I'll read the first sentence of a book and I'm yawning and I'm like fighting. To stay <laughs> just make it through this eight page chapter. Oh yeah. No, I feel that. Some books are worse than others. Rob, what are some bad recommendations uh, you hear in the world of entrepreneurship and your areas of expertise? I don't know. I don't really hear bad recommendations. I've just always been got, been had, been gotten, been had. I've always had a realistic uh, view of it, I think, because of all the family members that I have in business that have gone through good times and bad times. My grandma started what became the largest bridal shop in Detroit by sewing two dresses and selling those and selling four dresses and then sewing eight dresses and then selling those. And I mean, she literally grew it from nothing. I, I don't really hear bad advice too much. I try to not be in a circle of people that talk like that. Oh yeah. I totally get that. And your circle is so important, right? You're the cumulate. You're just an addition equation and just accumulation of the five people you surround yourself with and all the people you've surrounded yourself with your entire life, you know? Your network is your net worth. There you go. So I know you've mentioned a few people that are on this list already, but who have been some of your heroes throughout your life and how did they help or inspire you? Yeah, my dad for sure. And conversely, my mom, because my dad's business was his, basically his number one child, even though I have the exact same name as him. It was hard. We had some really hard, brutal times when that business was growing and struggling parents went through a divorce when I was in fourth grade. And that was really hard. And so my teenage and formidable years were full of a lot of animosity and anxiety and stress. And I leaned on my mom a lot and I got to actually, she worked for me at, when I had the screen printing business. So for a few years, I saw her every single day, which was just a, an incredible gift. Um, and she still works for me now, but I don't get to see her quite as often since I don't live there anymore. But so my parents have been huge for me. My my aunt and uncle, Tony Robbins, although I haven't got to meet him yet, he's been a huge inspiration. And, and there's definitely been times where I just didn't know what I was doing with my life and could get into one of his books. Or even when I read it, I just read it with his voice. And all of a sudden I start hearing, I still have the audio tapes, I think somewhere from Awaken the Giant Within. Those types of guys, um, those types of people are inspiring to me. I'm sure I could list off a, a ton of people, but. <laughs> no, it's a great, it's a great list. So Rob, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it be and why? I, I believe a lot in you get what you give. And so I would put out there that I'd be happy to help anybody. I, I've done, I don't know, 50 or 60 podcasts now at this point, And I always put my personal email out there and I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody. Somebody connects with me on LinkedIn and asks me a question. 
Um, I'm happy to help anybody get to where they want to go because I believe that there's enough success in the world that everybody can have success. Uh, and if in some little way I help somebody else get there, then that to me, that means more. I love that. That's great. Let's see. So I'd love to know, you mentioned the Wilt Chamberlain quote earlier. Are there any other quotes you think of often or that you try and live your life by? Not off the top of my head. I come up with them all the time. I, they pop in. The one that I do for real uh, relationships is if it won't matter in five years, don't waste five minutes. And it's really hard to do when you're fighting with your spouse slash partner slash best friend slash, you know, dream builder. But at, at some point, one of us finally takes a step back and just says, well, let's just, let's stop this. So mm. over, over complicated and over spending too much time on, on anything that doesn't matter is something I've really tried to avoid. And I focus a lot of my effort and energy on solutions. And there's times where my wife is just hell bent and caught up on the problem. And I'm like, dude, forget it. The problem happened. How do we fix it? How do we move forward? Focus on the solution. I just don't get overly stressed too much because if you bang up your car or you break something or you do this or you do that, okay, that happened. That's done. Try not to do that again. How do you fix the situation to move forward? I could have sulked about the leukemia shirts being spelled wrong and just said, okay, I'm sorry, and not made any money. Or I could have fixed the problem, go find some green shirts and finish up the job. So focus on solutions. I love that. Well, Rob, this has been an entertaining and enlightening conversation and our time is just about up and it brings me to my last question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? It could be, it could be birth. That's pretty kind to be alive and to have a chance. I've had a lot of, like I said, my circle uh, is pretty incredible and it's incredible because people have offered to help out and reach out. And I've been able to take some meetings that I never thought I would be able to take in my lifetime just because someone believed enough in me to put in a phone call and put their reputation on the line for me. And that is, to me, that's the ultimate gift is your relation, your, your, uh, your relationship and your reputation are the most important thing to you. And if you're, if someone's willing to put their reputation on the line for you, to me, that's, I don't think it gets any better than that. Oh, totally agree. And you're the first person who said birth. So I love that answer as well. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Gary Vee, dude. You have a 400 trillion to one odds that you're born yep. right now as a person and not a fly or a dung beetle. So you know, <laughs> I, I, that really resonates with me. I feel bad for people that feel like they have no other way out and that that they can't get past or get through whatever they're dealing with. And it's just, dude, mm -hmm. you've got one shot of this life. I don't want it to end one second early. So I, I think it's a gift. Oh, absolutely. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you. Yeah, it was a blast, man. I appreciate it. I love the hard questions. <laughs> of course. Today's episode was brought to you by Prosperitas, making unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. 
And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the LUE podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Mm-hmm.